Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and welcome to the official start of Season 3 of the Cleveland Baseball Mornings Podcast. That's right, baseball is back. Spring training is back, and we are kicking off Season 3 of the show. Thank you so much for joining me this morning, and we have a ton of stuff to talk about. We are so close to actual games on the field. We have photos from Guardians beat reporters like Mandy Bell and Paul Hoynes from Arizona. We have seen players in uniforms. We've seen the new uniforms, the new Guardians uniforms with the Diamond C hat on guys like Shane Bieber and Jose Ramirez, and it's happening. Baseball is happening. We are going to play 162 games, and uh, yeah, I am excited for our sport to be back. So let's get into this thing. We have so much to talk about, whether it's the new CBA details, whether it's what this roster could look like going forward, what moves could the Guardians make here before the season starts. So let's get into it. And hey, if you enjoy this show, help it grow by leaving a rating and review on whatever app you are listening on, especially if you're on Apple Podcasts. Help the show grow by letting people know what it's all about and how much we love baseball here on Cleveland Baseball Mornings. So far, we have been an all-five-star reviewed show. Let's keep it going. Throw up some more five stars there on Apple Podcasts, and let's really get this thing popping for the 2022 season. All right, so let's get into it. What do you want to talk first? Do you want to talk CBA, or do you want to talk all these transactions? My God, the reporters told us. They told us as soon as this contract was signed, there were going to be trades. There were going to be free agent signings. It was going to go nuts. Everybody was looking at Freddie Freeman. What was going to happen? As soon as the owners ratified things at like 6 p.m., you know, it was wild, wild west at 7 p.m. Anything could happen. And then nothing happened. And then we all sat staring at our phones, waiting for these major transactions to happen. And I think the first signing was like the uh, St. Louis Cardinals signed that old Detroit Tigers starting pitcher for some depth, for some starting pitching depth. That was the big, it was like Verhoten or something like that. That was the big thing that kicked off post-lockout free agency. It's been kind of a letdown. I'm not going to lie. I have been refreshing Twitter. I have been refreshing The Athletic and MLB Trade Rumors and Bleacher Report, waiting for some for these dominoes to fall. And it's just Nelson Cruz is still, as of recording this on Sunday morning, Nelson Cruz is still unsigned. Freddie Freeman is still unsigned. Anthony Rizzo is still unsigned. Correa is still unsigned. It's it's nothing's happening. I What... And everybody's been like, oh, they've been sitting on this for months. They've been thinking about what they're going to do for months. They have to have a plan, right? Nope. Nope. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of when, like, when you were a kid in school and you were just waiting for summer break. You were just waiting for summer break. You couldn't wait. All the things you were going to do when summer break got here. And then the first day of summer break, you're sitting there playing video games going, I'm bored. What should we do? <laughs> that's what it kind of feels like right now. How are how are there not crazy trades and crazy things going on? Now, there have been some transactions, right? The Mets went out and got more pitching. They went and got Chris Bassett from the A's. Frankly, they didn't give up much. 
They did give up a highly, uh, I think it was number five prospect in their system, a starting pitcher, but he was in like low A and high A ball. He hadn't even made it to double A ball yet. So, I mean, not a high price. They gave up another pitcher that's been in their system for a long time, a guy that's bounced, bounced around the minors. But not a high price for Chris Bassett, a guy who was an all-star for the A's last year. Now, obviously, Oakland is very good at scouting these guys, and I'm sure that guy that they picked out from the Mets system is going to go on to win a Cy Young. That's just how it goes with Oakland. And I'm sure once that guy becomes 26, 27 years old, the A's will turn around and trade him too because there's one thing we know about the Oakland A's. They will blow up their team as soon as it gets good. Um, there have been some free agent signings. The White Sox have been active. They uh, they did lose uh, some starting pitching, so they did lose Carlos Rondon, who signed with the Giants, which is good for the Guardians, right? He did no hit us lap back last April, so no dealing with Carlos Rondon in division. But they did sign Josh Harrison to play second base, and they did sign Joe Kelly to beef up their bullpen even more. And the White Sox have a terrifying bullpen, a hard throwing bullpen. There have been other guys that have signed. The Rockies have been active signing, making moves that, frankly, the Guardians of, like, a few years ago would make, right? Signing these guys, you're like, okay, what impact is that really going to have? Like, you don't have that strong of a core. So what is signing an Alex Colome going to do for the Rockies? Uh, who else? They signed a shortstop, too, um, a defensive first shortstop. So, yeah, so Anderson Simmons signs with the Cubs. Uh, what else do we got here? Kershaw does resign with the Dodgers, so there's at least a big name. Uh, a lot of bullpen guys have signed recently. So, the Guardians. What have your Guardians done? Well, they went out and they got catcher Luke Maley. Is that the move you've been waiting for? Catcher Luke Maley. I believe it is a major league contract, which is interesting because the 40-man roster was full, which means... Somebody on the 40-man roster is going to lose their job. Like, you you have to, like, it's not easy moving someone off a 40-man roster. Like, you have to cut somebody to add somebody to the 40-man roster. So, it's going to be interesting to see uh, who the corresponding move is to that. But Maley gets a major league contract. And it's obviously, it's not for much money. I think they said, like, 900000 He's going to be the backup catcher for Henches. He's a defensive first kind of catcher. He's he's known. I was reading an article. Of course, the article on Cleveland.com is blocked by subscriber only. Like, come on, you're Cleveland.com. You're our local newspaper. Like, you should not be behind a paywall like that. Like, I get buying the newspaper was behind a paywall, and the newspaper isn't there anymore, so you got to figure out a way to make money. But, man, it feels weird that Cleveland, I mean, Cleveland.com is not as exclusive as, say, uh, The Athletic or something like that. So it feels strange that it's behind a paywall. So I don't know what Paul Hoynes thinks of Luke Maley. I know what the uh, Milwaukee Brewers SB Nation site thought of Luke Maley when the Brewers signed him last year. And uh, they're like, look, this is a defensive first guy. He's known for pitch framing. He throws out about 33% of base runner stealing. He's a defensive first guy. I did watch some highlights. Um, there's not many. He had a two-home run game uh, when he was playing with Toronto. He's bounced around. He's played for Tampa Bay, Toronto, now Milwaukee. He's, kinda, he's 31 years old. He's a journeyman catcher. Um, but he did have a two-home run game when he was playing with Toronto. Coincidentally, the catcher opposite him was Sandy Leone for the Red Sox. So both those guys are going to be on our, you know, in camp for us. 
Leon's on a minor league contract to provide some depth. Uh, but it looks like Maley's got the backup catcher job. And uh, he does hit he does hit two home runs in this game off of uh, Chris Sale, off of a lefty. And uh, he has he's hit 10 home runs in his entire career. He has a career batting average of 203. His splits, I was like, hey, maybe he's got decent splits. No, not really. Versus left-handed pitching, 213 batting average. Versus right-handed pitching, a 199. An OPS of 619 against lefties, an OPS of 547 against righties. So as you expect, a right-handed batter hits a little better against lefties. Um, so not really a platoon situation with hedges. You're basically getting the same thing. And it's kind of what we had with... Roberto Perez and Austin Hedges, defensive first. Maybe they, you know, you know, accidentally walk into a home run every now and then. But for the most part, these catchers are here to manage a pitching staff and play defense. And that mainly fits that profile. Uh, so not the big offensive help. But, but what I will say to you is I went over to MLB.com and they have their whole list of free agents available broken down by position. And they've got them ranked based on last year's war. That's an easy way they said, okay, look, we'll take these guys top to bottom. Instead of going alphabetical order, we'll go by last year's war. Manny Pena, who signed a two-year deal with Atlanta, was the number one available guy, 34 years old, 2.1 war the year before. Jan Gomes was next, signed a two-year deal with the Cubs, 34 years old, 1.8 war. Guess who is number three on that list? Luke Maley. At a 0.3 war, a positive war, 31 years old. Well, he signs a deal with your Cleveland Guardians. I mean, the names on this list, not many guys had positive war last year. Um, you know, Roberto Perez was a negative war. He was at negative 0.1. Wilson Ramos, who's obviously got hurt playing for the for the former Cleveland Indians, now Cleveland Guardians, was at negative 0.2. And the other names available, Kurt Suzuki, who also signed with somebody. Who'd Suzuki sign with? Uh, with Angels. Um, he was at a negative 0.4 war. So, yeah, I mean, Austin Romine was at negative 0.9. The, uh, Sandy Leone, who we signed to a minor league deal, was at negative 0.7. So there weren't many catchers available on the market with a positive war. I, I don't know who we were all waiting for, but... They weren't there in free agency. Now, yes, you could go make a trade with the Cubs or something like that uh, for a good catcher. But, it was uh, frankly, Maley was number three on the list of available catchers on the free agent market. So, they needed a catcher. They went out and got one. All right. Well, I mean, we'll see uh, We'll see if he brings anything besides the defense. Uh, he, Like most guys, he you know claims that he's got a little more offensively in the tank um, than, uh, than he's shown so far. Uh, let's see, when was the last time he played in AAA? In, for Milwaukee, he did play in AAA. He played 46 games for them uh, in AAA. Hit 225 with an OPS of 668. Hit one home run. So it's not like this guy was crushing them all down in AAA last season either. Um, so we'll see if there's anything in the off tank offensively. I will tell you that his nickname is Lukey Barrels. For a guy that's not hit that many career home runs, uh, 
in the minors, in seven seasons in the minors, he's only got 20 home runs. So for a guy who's hit between the majors and minors, 30 career home runs over, oh my God, I, how many years has this guy been playing? 10 seasons? I, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Uh, oh, wait, they include college in that too. Oh boy, uh, forget that. I'm not adding his college stats in here. Um, they call him Lukey Barrels. Apparently, that's the nickname. I heard it on the Blue Jays podcast. They were calling him. He hits the two home runs in that game on, the, on those highlights, and they were calling him Lukey Barrels. So there you go. Uh, Luke Maley, your, that's, your, that's your big deal. That's your big post-lockout deal for the Guardians is Lukey Barrels. All right. Here's the thing, though. 40-man roster is jam-packed. Jam-packed. They filled it up to protect against the Rule 5 draft, and then the Rule 5 draft never happened. So like I said, for Luke Maley to be signed, somebody is going to get cut. But here's the thing. Looking at this 40-man roster, you could easily see how these guys think they could put a competitive team on the field with the guys they have in camp, frankly. they You know, I see a realistic possibility here where they do not have to make another trade, where they do not have to sign another free agent, and they frankly, they have a team to put on the field. Now, would we like them to go out and get some outfield help? Absolutely. Would we like a big right fielder or a big power-hitting left fielder to kind of fill this thing up, right? Make the lineup a little bit more potent. Absolutely. But is there a path for them to go into the season with what they have? And give it to some of the young guys, you know, keep this youth movement going? Absolutely. I mean, catcher, now you have an answer at catcher. The other guy on the 40-man roster is Brian Lavastida. And that's a that's a huge difference between Lavastida and Bo Naylor. Because Naylor's not on the 40-man roster. Which means they'd have to make room for him if he were to win some kind of competition in spring training. So Lavastida has a huge leg up for actually making the roster opening day because he's on that 40-man roster. So there's your catching situation. I mean, first base, you roll with Bobby Bradley, you know, Yu Chang maybe platoons with him a little bit as your utility guy. First base, you kind of see it. Shortstop, plenty of options. You keep Ahmed Rosario at shortstop. You still have Andres Jimenez who could slide over there. Obviously, third base is set, Jose Ramirez. Now, Would it be great press if they go out and give a Jose Ramirez or Shane Bieber a long-term contract? Absolutely. Have those conversations been happening? No clue. No clue. Haven't seen anything reported on conversations like that now that they're allowed to talk to players again. Um, So third base is set. Second base is probably your biggest question mark on the infield, but you have so many guys on the 40-man roster. Andre Jimenez, you can run it right back with him at second base. You got Owen Miller still here. You've got Ernie Clement still here and Yu Cheng still here. Then you added Gabriel Arias to the 40-man roster. I think he was last season. I think he was on the 40-man. But Arias is on the 40-man roster. He could win the second base job or the shortstop job, frankly. Um, you got Brian Rocchio who could win a job. Jose Tania, Joensky, Noel, those guys are probably a pretty a little bit too young to win a job in spring training. Uh, you're probably going to be looking at those guys climbing up the minor leagues really fast, though, this season. And then you got the thing of what to do with Owen, uh, not Owen Miller, Nolan Jones. You got the thing of what to do with Nolan Jones. It's not going to be second base. Um, But the corners, third base, first base, 
Uh, do you DH Jose Ramirez a little bit and get Nolan Jones some time at third base? Or does Nolan Jones find his way into the corner outfield? Right? That could be the addition without making an addition to the outfield mix is getting Nolan Jones in there in right field and letting him run in the major leagues. Finally, finally get Nolan Jones up here. Then in the outfield, you've got uh, Miles Straw set in center. You got Fermil Reyes who wants to take a few reps in right field. You've got Josh Naylor coming back from injury at some point in the season, but he probably mixes more in at first base. They still have Oscar Mercado and Bradley Zimmer here. Those guys could be victims of them adding someone to the 40-man roster, though, very easily. They've been given many, many chances here in Cleveland. But you could platoon Mercado and Zimmer in right field. And then you've got a guy like Stephen Kwan in left field. Even George Valera, which it seems like Kwan was more on the steps of the major leagues than Valera is. Valera is the more highly regarded prospect, but probably sounded like he would need a little bit longer in the minor leagues before he breaks through. But hey, you know, Valera could come in and just crush, just rake in this shortened camp. And maybe they say, let's get this guy on the roster. Let's get this guy up here. Now, we will come, we will come back to this because that ties into some CBA details. Uh, then on the pitching side, obviously the bullpen is where Cleveland loves loading up on veterans. And they haven't done that yet. I haven't really seen the... Uh, minor league deals with a spring training invite that they usually they usually put like three or four of those out there and see if they can get a veteran guy, you know, an Oliver Perez type that would stick around for a few seasons and provide them some leadership in the bullpen, right? Brian Shaw did it last year. But looking at the 40-man roster, there are a ton of pitchers on the 40-man roster. If you eliminate the probable starting five, so you got Bieber, Savali, Plesak, Quantrill, and McKenzie in some type of order like that as your starting five. And then if you take the guys that you're pretty sure are going to be in the bullpen uh, in no particular order, Classe, uh, Karinchak, Ghosh, Henches, um, Nick Sandlin, and Trevor Steffen, that's six guys. That really leaves you two, three spots in the bullpen that you're trying to fill. And you have a bunch of starting pitchers that could get their first taste of the major leagues. Uh, not all these guys are first taste, but could get some major league, more major league experience by going out of the bullpen. You've got Logan Allen, right? The Logan Allen, the lefty who's been trying to make it work for uh, for a few seasons now here in Cleveland. you got Eli Morgan, who would be a depth starter, right? Could easily be a long reliever slash starter. Uh, you've got Cody Morris, uh, you've got Tobias Myers, who we just traded for from Tampa Bay. Uh, you got Connor Pilkington, who had a great minor league season. And you've got Carlos Vargas, who is coming back off of Tommy John. All of those names, all six of those names could easily slot into the bullpen, provide depth as starting pitching, be a little bit of a longer reliever, and let those first six guys I mentioned handle the late innings. They have they have the names on the roster to easily put together a bullpen. Now, would I be shocked if they go out and find some of these veterans? A lot of these names are already coming off the list. I told you, they're, they're kind of getting snatched up, uh, some of these relievers. Uh, but that's not the Guardian's way. The Guardian's way is to find some guys that are a little bit down on their luck, 
bring them in on a spring training invite and see what happens. That's kind of the Guardians way when it comes to filling out the last few spots in the bullpen. So we'll see if they add anybody or like I said, maybe one of these six names or maybe two or three of these six names end up in the bullpen because they're already on the 40-man roster and it's really easy from a roster construction standpoint to make that work. All right. Now, I told you George Valera was going to lead us into the conversation about the new CBA. And that's the last big thing we're going to talk about because there isn't any games yet on the field. It's coming. By next weekend, we will have an actual spring training game to talk about. But uh, let's let George Valera lead us in because service time manipulation, taking care of the younger players, was a huge goal of the players in this CBA. Did they accomplish all their goals? Will guys like George Valera be protected? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Now, will the owners and the general managers and the team presidents not manipulate people's service time? Probably not. They'll probably risk whatever penalties and things have been structured into this thing to continue to manipulate service time. Because, I mean, that's the long game for them, right? They won't squeak one more year out of the Chris Bryants of the world. Well, Chris Bryant, uh, you know, in this article, uh, I was reading an article on SI.com. I was reading an article on The Athletic. And Chris Bryant is the name that kind of hangs over some of these things. Because they basically put some rules in specifically for his scenario, his situation. So, if you are in the first or second uh, voting for Rookie of the Year, you automatically get a full year of service time no matter when you got called up. You get called up in June and you go off for 25 home runs in the last four months of the season, win Rookie of the Year, you have a full year of service time, not just the four months. So that is something that's in to protect guys like George Valera. Um, could he come up and win Rookie of the Year and just be a you know a breakout star, our version of Wander Franco? Maybe, maybe, and he'll be protected in the new collective bargaining agreement because of that. He'll also get paid. So they agreed on, and I, I, I can't believe the players got it this high, frankly, a $50 million pool of bonus money to be paid out to the top 100 guys pre-arbitration based on war. And not only that, the top, if you make it into the top two for MVP, if you make it into the top two for rookie of the year, if you make it onto the first, you know, first team MLB or second team MLB, you get another bonus thrown in on top of that. So there is some money now to be made for these pre arbitration guys. So guys like Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who, according to like fan graphs, would have been valued at like 50-some million dollars based on how he played. Uh, a guy like that is now going to get paid. Uh, he's not going to get paid technically what he's worth based on you know, his, his level of play, but he's going to get paid. Um, so what are some of the other things in this CBA? Well, we now have the... What are the things that are going to impact the Guardians? We now have the designated hitter in both leagues. Not only that, Manfred said when they redo this, when they do the schedule for next season, no more of this, um, you know, divisionally weighted schedule. We're going to play every team in the league. So, I mean, I'm actually a fan of that. I, I don't need to see the Guardians and the Tigers play 18 times. It was too much. 
and the Kansas City Royals and the White Sox. Man, and the Twins, 18. It was too much. You could cut it down to 12 and have a very interesting season where you see a lot of different teams. I'm actually okay with it. So, yeah. So, uh, but the good news is when we're playing in those National League parks now, we don't have to watch Shane Bieber hit. As, as silly as it was and as much as the guys would laugh and joke about it and Corey Kluber gets a, you know, a double in the gap and the crowd goes wild. No, we don't have to deal with that anymore. We can just play baseball. There's no more figuring out how you're going to like fit a Carlos Santana and an Edward Encarnacion on the field at the same time. No, you just go out there and play your game. The designator hitter, hitter should have been instituted in both leagues years ago, and we finally have it done. I believe me, I wish baseball hailed back to the traditional days with no designated hitter. I wish the pitchers could hit, but what the pitchers do these days takes so much concentration and so much talent that I get that they've given up on hitting. So now they've fully given up on hitting. It will be interesting to see. Do guys like a Madison Bumgarner still get used as a pinch hitter every now and then, right? There are a few pitchers that could break. There were a few. Do they get used as a pinch hitter every now and then? When you're in the you know, 15th, 16th inning of a doubleheader, do they call on a pitcher to pinch hit every now and then? I think it'll happen once or twice. Um, speaking of which, no more runner on second base in extra innings. We go back to playing nine-inning doubleheaders. We go back to no runner in uh, extra innings. Go back to more traditional baseball style there. So some things did get back to tradition. Uh, we have expanded the postseason. This is going to affect the Guardians now. We are up to a 12-team postseason, six in each league. You've got your three division winners. you got your three wildcard entrants now. So we add another wildcard entrant, and now they're going to be playing a three-game series all at home for the higher-ranked team as the wildcard round. This is going to be fascinating because, I mean, I have a theory – in base, I mean, in baseball, it seems like sitting around is not a good thing for your team. Like, yes, you get to line up your pitching, but doesn't it seem like those teams always come out a little bit cold, right? If you have to sit around and wait, it seems like you always come out a little bit cold. You honestly, you don't know what's coming. You sit around for three days, you don't know what's coming out onto the field. And those teams that have just rattled off a couple wins might be feeling pretty hot. It might be able to take a wildcard team and just tear through the postseason. So it'll be interesting to see if those two, you know, dominant division winning teams that get the first round buys, how do they fare? I mean, do they just get swept up in the momentum of a wildcard team and chased out of the postseason? It'll be crazy if that happens. If you got some 100 win team and then some 85 win wildcard team just blows right through them because they've got momentum on their side. Uh, so yeah, that this is going to impact the Guardians. I mean, the Guardians' way of doing things is to stay competitive. And now that there's an extra chance of making the playoffs, I mean, it's playoffs, you're not playoffs or bust. It's stay competitive, stay competitive. Keep the team competitive no matter what. Make the right moves, you know, slough off a few veterans, bring up the right minor leaguers. But stay competitive, and you will have a chance for this postseason, and you'll have a chance to keep your fans interested, you know, every season. 
So, yeah, I saw somebody out there who was like, you know, we've seen all these articles about Jose Ramirez getting traded to the Toronto Blue Jays, right? Every beat writer from every national outlet has put it in their top trades teams can make kind of article. And a couple of them have been like, clearly the Guardians are in a rebuild. I'm like, no way. No way. Are you paying attention to this team? Nothing close to a rebuild. We've got arguably one of the best starting rotations of young controlled talent in the major leagues. All these guys are locked in as guardians. And you think we're in a rebuild? You are out of your mind. Our owner may be frugal, but we are far from a rebuild. So 12 team playoffs, big news for the guardians. All right. Uh, They've also limited the time that guys can get bounced back and forth between the minors to five times. Definitely something the Guardians have taken advantage of uh, in previous seasons. There have been some guys that have seriously bounced between Columbus and Cleveland. Now, it's limited to five times, so you're going to have to be a little more strategic when doing that. There's now a draft lottery. This could affect the Guardians, right? Because uh, there's different rules for teams that receive revenue sharing, and there's different rules for teams that pay into the revenue sharing. We are definitely a team that receives revenue sharing funds. So we'll actually be eligible for the draft lottery more often than some of those other teams, some of those higher spending teams. It's a competitive balance thing. Um, So this could affect us because, frankly, the Guardians never get bad enough to get like a top, you know, two, three pick. But if maybe a season we slip into this lottery, we have a chance of bouncing up there and maybe getting a first or second round draft pick. And so that could have an impact on the Guardians of the future. Um, There are some possible rule changes coming, but they're not coming this season. So we're going to save those larger bases, banning the shift, pitch clock, all that could be future stuff. So let's save it for future podcasts. Uh, There'll be advertising patches now. Who do you think? Come on, who do you think? Progressive. It's got to be progressive. No, there's no way progressive who own progressive field, who run countless ads, own the naming rights. I'm sorry, they don't own the stadium. Own the naming rights to Progressive Field. Uh, run countless, countless flow ads uh, during your broadcast. There's no way they're going to let another company come in and snipe their favorite advertiser, are they? Come on. There's no way they're going to let a Sherwin-Williams or a Goodyear get their patch on the uniforms before Progressive Insurance. You know Flo's face is going to be sitting right there on the left breast of all the Guardians players. Um, It'll be, yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Uh, I mean, it's fine. They do it in the NBA. It's fine. Do you even notice the Goodyear logo on the Cavs jerseys? No, it's just, it's a little gold emblem. Don't even notice it. Whatever. They want to put an advertising patch on. Do it. Make more money. All right. Uh, Let's go. I'm rolling through this SI article here. We already talked about the pre-arbitration pool. Um, we talked about the service time. Um, there are some other things to incentivize teams to promote top prospects to the majors. Um, if a guy is on your opening day roster, finishes in the top three of rookie of the year voting or top five in the MVP Cy Young voting, their team will receive an additional draft pick. So again, George Valera, if they think George Valera is in contention to be rookie of the year, if he's that good this spring, They could put him on the opening day roster and hope that they get an additional draft pick out of it. They may lose a year of service time from George Valera, right? They may have to pay up a little sooner, but they could receive a draft pick as compensation for that. So 
we'll see. I mean, honestly, Valera is the guy to watch. Valera is the guy to watch. I guess maybe Arias too, because those guys haven't had any major league time yet. Their clock hasn't started. So I guess those would be the two guys to see. Do they, if they come out really hot this spring, do they make it on the opening day roster? And it'll be an indication if some of these things that they put in the new CBA, you know, will make a difference. Now, the big thing that will not affect the Guardians, I am telling you, absolutely will not affect the Guardians, is the new uh, tax, the new luxury tax thresholds. I mean, as a Guardians podcast, there's almost no point in talking about it because we still have one of the cheapest payrolls in all of baseball, one of the cheapest owners in all of baseball. Do we have a minority owner coming on to an influx of money? I Frankly, we don't know. There were articles there, you know, they were in discussion that this was the guy, but there hasn't been an article to confirm it yet. So I don't know if there's an influx of money. Either way, unless the ghost of Rockefeller comes and buys this team, there's no way that we're going to get anywhere near these luxury tax thresholds, up to $230 million. So good for the players. It means the opportunity for guys like Juan Soto to get $500 million contracts will be more stomachable for these owners that are willing to shell out that kind of cash because they won't have to pay as much luxury tax on top of it because the threshold has moved up. And yet, guys like Steve Cohen, who are set to spend as much money as humanly possible on his baseball team, will get taxed pretty big. And so he will get punished a little bit, and it'll keep the Mets in check a little bit. So... I mean, with guys like Freeman and you know still available on the market and the Dodgers and the Yankees and all these teams, you know, we'll see if they feel the burn of this luxury tax and they keep their payrolls under 230 million. And these things grow, you know, in, with inflation, I don't know, but they grow, you know, over the next five years of the CBA. So Those are some of the big things from this CBA. I think we've hit on all the big things, especially the things that are going to affect um, the Cleveland Guardians. And you know what? I'm just excited for games, man. I am just excited. I'm excited to hear Jim Rosenhaus call a 4 p.m. game from Arizona as I finish up my workday and slip in the car for the ride home. I'm excited to hear him you know, call guys getting two at-bats, and then we switch over to the single-A rosters to finish out the game, and I'm still listening while cooking dinner, listening to some guy that won't wear a Guardians uniform for maybe the next three or four years hit a game-winning single, and for Rosenhaus to do his best Hamilton impression and try to sound excited as the Guardians walk off a spring training game. I'm excited for it. I'm ready for it. I'm pumped. I hope you are too. I hope that with everything, with the name change and with the CBA lockout and all this stuff, I hope you come back to baseball because it is America's pastime. It's the soundtrack of summer. You throw the game on. You throw something on the barbecue. You have a nice relaxing evening. Maybe have a nice drink. Whatever your cup of tea is, whatever you like to do to listen to the games, walk the dog in the park, that's where you'll usually find me. Um, yeah, I'm just glad baseball's back. They got it all worked out. They got it all figured out. And we are ready for some games on the field. Spring training has going to start. We will have some, by the time we talk, probably next weekend, we will have 
actual spring training games to talk about. So until then, hey, if you want some gear, if you want some Cleveland gear, maybe you're not on, you know, maybe you're not ready to jump on for the Guardians logo just yet, but you want some Cleveland gear, we have show merch by visiting clevelandbaseballmornings.myspreadshop.com. We've got premium t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs. Of course, it's a morning show. We gotta have coffee mugs and more for men, women, kids. We've got it all. Show off your pride for Cleveland baseball and help spread the show's name with some high quality shirts and gear. The link is in the show notes and it's my pinned tweet on Twitter at Davey Barris. All right. Speaking of that, you can follow me at Davey Barris for thoughts on Guardians baseball and a little Cavs basketball too. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the CBA, on whatever signings come or trades come in the next week and when the games start, especially your thoughts on the games. That's what this show is dedicated to. We'll talk actual baseball, actual stats. We are going to get into the real baseball. This isn't just a podcast to be like, hmm, I think the Indians should uh, trade Jose Ramirez or they shouldn't trade Jose Ramirez or, man, Dolans are cheap. This is not that kind of podcast. This is a podcast where we talk stats. We talk real things, real baseball. So hit me up, clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts. We'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash clevelandbaseballmornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. <laughs>